People are what make Ball special. People at every level come into work each day and give 100% to accomplish their goals. Our production techs are the front line in our can making operations. They directly impact the volume of production we run, the quality of production we run, and are integral to our operations. Production techs are also important because as their skills grow, they are able to move into even more mechanical roles. Text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. Or simply text GOLDEN to 77222. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Guy. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dump two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Denver Sports Podcast. I am your host today. Oh, I'm your host brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. I skip. I'm already messing up. This is already off to a great start. (laughs) The Denver Sports Podcast brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer and brewery of DNVR with more more beers on tap than I can even count. And we do now have uh, their delicious Celsius down here at the bar. So make sure you come down and check it out. I am your host, officially this time, Jesse Montano, uh, joined by Patrick Lyons from our DNVR Rockies and uh, my man Rudo from our DNVR Avalanche. Thank you guys for being with us. It's a busy, crazy day around uh, DNVR land, so I appreciate you guys carving out some time. Yeah, excited for uh, for the shows we got coming up, too. A lot of people working on some fun stuff, so... Once you told me what the topic was, I said, I have to be in on this one. And I would prefer <laughs> less people than normal so I can talk as much as I can about this topic. So this, this is going to be a good one today for sure. Yeah, no. So I, uh, when I kind of started asking around for, for this week and, and saw where people were shaking out, I said, you know what? I've got a couple guys here who I know this is just like right in their wheelhouse. So I'm glad to hear you're excited about it. We are going to start off with a little bit of, I guess you technically call it icebreaker, um, got a couple of just fun little questions for you guys that have kind of been inspired by, um, just natural conversations we've had earlier this week on, on the, uh, DNVR avalanche podcast. So before we dive into analytics, which we want to talk about today and just kind of where they come from, where people go wrong with them, where people don't pay enough attention to them, uh, and just get a good perspective. We've got a hockey guy who's also a baseball guy. And then we got our baseball guy on here. So I figured this is, this is just the perfect combination to, to have this discussion. Um, but first, with you know, keeping with some of the relevant storylines here in Denver, 
the Denver Broncos have announced that they are, you know, obviously they're on the hunt for a new owner. They're saying that they're getting close. And I got two questions for you guys. One of them is going to be at the local level. One of them is going to be at a league level. But if you were for a day, the owner of obviously the Denver Broncos is where this comes from. But if you could pick any Denver team and you'd be owner for a day, what is one change that you would make? Again, you can pick any team, or I guess if you're Stan Kroenke, you get a couple teams. Um, Rudo, I'll start with you. If you could own any Denver team for a day, which would it be? And what would you do different than what they currently have going on? Ooh, um, I, I can't really fault anything that the abs are doing. So I don't think I'd go that way. Um, yep. If I was the nuggets, I, I, I think they're pretty fine too, as you know, they're starting to get, well, not yet, but they should be healthy soon when they're healthy. They're a good team. So it's gotta be one of the Broncos or the Rockies. Uh, I think I would go for the Rockies and I would take, I would take the, the trial by fire method and I would just burn it to the ground. <laughs> I would see how, how much I could get rid of in 24 hours and just start it over. That's called tanking. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I would do. Well, you know what? They haven't tried that strategy yet. So you go, okay, well it, it's something different, something different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, what about you? I actually would go the, the Broncos route and, and Rudo, obviously nuggets, Abs, they're they're doing things the right way, so you can't really be critical of them. But if I was the owner of the Broncos, I mean, I, I know Patton hasn't gotten a, a super long leash here uh, as GM, but I would bring in Peyton Manning. Uh, I would yeah. just let him run the show. I know he doesn't have the, the general manager experience and he hasn't run a team before, but football is one of those sports where I, I don't think that's you know quite as necessary and, and, and is needed to have experience. Baseball has so many different things going on and so many avenues from you know planning the the future of your franchise with the the farm system and developing as well as scouting and drafting that go along with that, as well as you know your contract statuses, knowing how much you've got on the books going forward and the actual team itself that's on the the playing field at that moment. So yep. it's a lot more complicated. And so you you need a people that that have that behind the scenes and front off experience. Whereas in the NFL, that's not always the case. So I'd let Peyton take over. And, and if he still need, wants to be on the Manning cast, I mean, that's fine too. We're just probably yeah. going to end up selling some more merch and Broncos are going to be the number one brand in the nation. Why not? Let's go for it. Nailed it. Nailed it. All he needed was 24 hours and he nailed it. Uh, <laughs> mine, mine would be, I, I would take over ownership of the abs and I would get some type of agreement in place to get them an actual practice facility. That's Ooh. it. At a, so they can get out of family sports down in Centennial, get them an actual practice uh, facility. Can you throw a deal with Comcast in on that too? Does that be greedy? Yeah. The other one, the, the other, like I said, little icebreaker that I've got was uh, we were talking earlier this week on the DNBR Avalanche show uh, about uh, the All-Star game and just the changes that we would make to All-Star. And I just thought it was a really fun, interesting conversation um, so Patrick, I'll start with you on a little bit larger level. If you could be commissioner for a day, any league, what would you do for 24 hours? What would you change? What would you put in place? Oh gosh. I, I was here. I was thinking I was getting all geared up for some, some all-star game type things. I mean, with <laughs> baseball commissioner, you know, I think there's a lot of different things that can be done. Rob Manfred obviously has been, you know, criticized quite a lot, uh, making $11 million a year, which is I don't know if that's one of the, the higher 
commissioners uh, as far as paychecks go. But I'd take that salary I, I, for a day, right? A tenth you're, you're of just, that. <laughs> what's the per diem? I mean, shoot, guys, I'm treating us all the Chipotle. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Forget that. No, we're going to Legal Pete's. We're supporting local. Yeah. So yeah, there you that's go. for sure. You know, I, I for for baseball, I obviously need to to stick with my sport. Uh, I would I would get a deal done with the players so that we don't lose yeah. any of spring training. I, I don't think there's really going to be any chance that we miss any of the regular season. I don't think we'll have a delay. Opening day will still go on as planned on, on March 31st. And for the Rockies, that'll be in LA, but you know, spring training is an important time, you know, not just for families that go down to Florida to the grapefruit league or in Arizona and the cactus league, but it's for those communities that are in and around the spring training facilities and they, they need that money in a, in a major way. And they, they count on, it's like if you uh, live, live near Lake town or a tourist town, you know, Estes park is one of those examples that where they live on that, the tourist season. And so for spring training, that's super huge. So you got to get a deal done on the relatively quick side so that pitchers and catchers can report as they normally would on or around February 14th. What a responsible answer. Yeah. What a responsible <laughs> tamed answer. Rudo, what do you got? Uh, I, well, first of all, it's great answer from our super chat here from MJ Seahawk uh, yeah. would not rest until the MLB has a salary cap. Uh, that was one of mine this morning when I was thinking about yeah. this. I, I think that's a that's a great answer. I I if we're going responsible answers, I would stay in baseball and say I would I would take baseball's MLB group and try and make significantly better connections to make playing minor league baseball more feasible for people. Uh, we we've seen it in hockey. They have the AHL. Players can make a living doing that. We're starting to see it in the NBA as the G League is kind of on the way up. Uh, right now, minor league baseball. Did, those guys deserve to be making so much more money than they do. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And football's a different story. I'm not going to get into the NCAA conversation because I don't hate myself that much today, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I I think really all of these leagues can put their money where their mouth is. If they really want to grow the game, help more people play it professionally. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's a great answer, too. I've, I've often wondered out loud about why we don't see something with the NFL. Uh, I, I think even the Denver Broncos, you know, in the last several years have had quarterback prospects that you will never convince me that they wouldn't have benefited from some type of developmental system. Uh, and, and the, you know, one of the big barriers that you bring up is, is the pay. Um, so, no, I, I think those are both. Uh, great responsible answers. I, I, I love the salary cap one. The few that flashed in my mind this morning was MLB salary cap. Um, like I said, I'd love to see the NFL implement some type of developmental league. Um, I, I'm actually shocked they haven't with as money hungry as the NFL is. That seems like a, a money grab that I'm shocked they haven't been all over yet. Um, and then I did. I just loved the all-star conversations we had relative to the NHL um, earlier this week. And I think it's one that you could kind of spread across all sports that turn it from, you know, an all-star game that's really, you know, more for the marketing and lean into stuff like the home run derby, like, you know, fastest skater in the NHL um, shootout competitions and, and turn it into a full weekend of, of celebrating, um, you know, the games and, and players at different levels and, and, and things like that, uh, I think would be a really fun change that would benefit everybody. Um, so th- those were kind of my three. So I'm going to take the cop out and not narrow it down at all. 
No, I like that. Um, and the NBA does an amazing job with the all-star, right? You got the dunk competition, three-point, as you said, with home run derby yep. and baseball. That's th- Those are, are two of the best. It really does. You got yeah. me thinking now about the NFL having a minor league. What, it, what even if it was just the, the, practice, uh, the practice squad league? And so, so you have those guys travel to the next city, and on, on Saturday night, that's when when those guys play and, and are in the the spotlight, if you will, as a, as a an appetizer for the big day on Sunday. So, do you want to hear my we do. the the plan I've always had for it, where I've always been like, ah, so easy. I'm sure it's just this simple. <laughs> every team has every team has a corresponding minor league team that plays out of their same city. You know, the junior Broncos. I don't know if you want to call a bunch of pro athletes junior, but you know, the secondary team. And they just play in reverse cities every week. So if the Broncos are playing the Cowboys in Dallas, their minor league teams play each other in Denver. The Cow Babies against the Broomfield Broncos. Exactly. <laughs> Let's yep. go. Yep. All right. So, I'll take so care every- of the branding. You work out the <laughs> logistics of these flights, Jesse. Let's go, man. Perfect. Yeah, so every team just gets to double dip on on revenue every weekend. That's perfect, and I'm sure it's foolproof, and there's no way that it wouldn't work out logistically. Um, but yeah, I, I've just always thought that that's, that's a cash grab that the NFL is passing on, which they don't do often, but let's start getting into what it is that I've got you two gentlemen, uh, gathered here to talk about today. First though, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, our great partners over at DraftKings. We are on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official betting partner of the NFL is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, which is crazy that we're on 56. Uh, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team, bet just $5, and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Don't worry if you're not a new customer. You can still get in on the action of the divisional round with single-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, obviously, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit, withdraw, cash whenever you want. That's honestly one of the reasons why it's my favorite app to use. It is so easy to get your money out. Yep. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5, win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also brought to you guys today by our good friends over at Mint Mobile. Look, the holidays are over, but the best deal in wireless is still being found at Mint Mobile. Switch to Mint Mobile, and when you buy any three-month plan, you will get another three months for free. They're the first company to sell premium wireless online only, and Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with plans starting at just $15 a month. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. And talk about it every week. I've been in the mobile industry nobody's doing mobile and pricing and plans the way that mint is. Uh, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's awesome. Uh, let's get into this a little bit here, guys. Analytics. This is something that I have have been working for years to get a little bit of a better understanding. Um, I correct me if I'm wrong here. Baseball was kind of the first sport where this became popularized. Correct. 
hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, I'm actually a board member here in Denver for a local Sabre chapter and Sabre uh, represents the society for American baseball research. And that's where the term metrics typically comes from Sabre metrics, because, you know, there are a bunch of baseball nerds and we still are a bunch of baseball nerds that go in and, and we have conversations and about so much more than, than just the numbers, but we dove into the numbers and breaking things down with, with guys like Bill James, who really revolutionized things and, and yeah. looked at baseball from a different perspective, other than just what's your batting average, how many home runs did you hit? How many runs batted in? Did you, uh, rack up, right? Rack well, yeah. Let's let's look at your RBI versus RBI opportunities because everyone can look in, at at certain statistics and say, well, this guy is clearly the best. Okay, well, what about as you go down the list and some players get more opportunities than others, others didn't, or they got a lot of opportunities and you kind of be disappointed by what they were able to rack up. And so that's where the the saber metrics and, and metrics and analytics, yeah, that's that's where it stems from. Rudo, do you look at analytics as more of hidden value that you have to kind of understand how to look at it to truly understand like a player's full scope? Or is it really kind of confirmation of what you see with your eyes on the ice, on the field? Yeah. So honestly, I think it can be both, right? You can't, you should never discount the eye test entirely, right? You have to be able to see what's happening in the game and understand what's going on. But then you take a look at the, the advanced numbers and either they're going to support what you saw with your eye test and you say, okay, this makes sense, or they're going to be differing. And then that's, for me, that's when the research really starts because you're like, okay, why, why does this look the way that it does when it's not adding up at the numbers behind it? Right. So I, I absolutely do believe you can find hidden gems when it comes to, to looking to advance metrics for players in, in any sport, really. You, you can find value that way, but it, nobody needs advanced metrics to tell you that Kale McCarr's an all-star, right? Right. <laughs> right. You're, you're definitely working on, on more of the fringes than you are, oh, obviously the really good players are really good. Right. <laughs> I did need something. I did need something that I could read that would tell me that yeah, Kale McCarr is very dope. <laughs> um, but so, so I know, I know, Rudo, you you have baseball kind of at your roots. So I'm going to ask this to either one of you guys, and one or both of you answered. You know, Patrick, you mentioned Bill James, and that was, oh man, when when did that first get popularized? Was it the late seventies? Was okay. you know, he's a guy from Kansas City who really just looked outside the box on, I, on I was a lot say, of yeah. things. I thought it was yeah, 70s, 80s. But but so what was it about what he put out and what, that took us so long for anybody to kind of put that to work in mass? You know, we talk a lot about teams now across – really, I feel like hockey and baseball are the ones that lean into it the most. But there's a conversation around these teams follow analytics, these teams don't. Why did it take so long with, with this kind of stuff, this information becoming available starting, I mean, or popularized in the 70s for, for both of you guys? Why did this take so long for us to start integrating this into how we watch sports now? 
popularizing is is a good way of, of describing it because I think baseball teams have always had some type of analytics department. They might not have called it that, but they were looking at numbers. They, you know, if you even go back to to Casey Stengel, a Hall of Fame manager for the New York Yankees, was platooning players, saying, "Hey, actually, you know what? This guy does really well against right-handed pitchers, so we'll start him against just right-handed starting pitchers, and then." on days when there's a left-handed pitcher in, we'll take him out and start somebody else who, again, you look at each player's numbers and you go, eh, they're average players. But if you line them up against the right guy, you you gain a, a lot more of an advantage. And so I think teams were really looking at that a lot. And I, I think it really got more popularized and came into the mainstream with Michael Lewis's classic Moneyball in the early 2000s, all about the Oakland athletics and what they, how they were using analytics to find undervalued players. And that's really been this idea as fans get more and more intelligent by the day, they say, okay, well, I want a really good take for myself, right? Everybody wants a good take on Twitter. And so I need to be a little bit more knowledgeable because we can all, we all know you know, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, they're great hockey players, but who are the guys that when they do get the opportunity on the ice, they're, they're making a lot of it, or you're looking at it from a payroll standpoint. If you're constructing a roster and you say, well, who's really good for the amount of money that they're making. And that's, that's also an element of it too, especially if you think about, you know, a team like the Oakland athletics, who they're not able to go out and, and sign big name free agents or even acquire players and trades. So you have to say, okay, well, what's a skill that's being undervalued. They, they looked at on base percentage with Oakland and that became the the thing that all teams started to copy. And uh, even get the Kansas City Royals, they wanted guys that were high contact and they were looking at defense when they won the World Series in uh, 2015. So uh, I think teams are, are really looking to just try to find value in, in a lot of different places. And the more they do it and the more they talk about it, the more I think fans are aware of it and start to, to think a little bit differently about, okay, what does it mean to have good value or what's, what's good production? It's yep. not just hitting a home run every 10 at bats. It's doing other little things and how important are those other little things. It, it, it right. definitely started with the small market teams, right? As a way to be competitive because the big market teams go, oh, all right, we'll just go buy the best player every yeah. off season. It's fine. But the small market teams are like, especially ones like Oakland, especially ones that their internal caps are so, so small relative to some of these bigger teams that they have to do things like that to be competitive. Now, in the modern era of analytics that we're getting into, big market teams just pay a bunch of analysts to, to go find the best players by those metrics too. But it, it spurs innovation. The small market teams are the ones coming up with these types of stuff and committing to it where, where the bigger teams maybe aren't. So, so that's what I was just about to ask. Cause I think you guys both make interesting points there. How much as, as these leagues started getting bigger and the money, the do, you know, the dollar figures started increasing for players and, and you know, you, you, break through your first million dollar player than your first you know five million dollar player how much more did these become important because you, you had some of these teams like you were just saying we were like we literally can't afford those guys so how much of this was kind of born out of necessity or paid attention to more out of necessity you know i think it's interesting i'll let i'll let patrick answer for the baseball side of this but i think hockey will actually come in on the opposite of this as in the modern era with the existence of the salary cap 
every team can only spend X amount of dollars yeah. and you have to get the most out of that X amount of dollars, you know, unless you're Tampa and you put everybody on injured reserve <laughs> and cheat. Right. Uh, <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> you have to get the most value out of that. And that means, yes, you need the $10 million player. That's incredible. But you also need a fourth line guy making 800 K that's better than everyone else's 800 K guy. Yeah. So Sorry. it's, it's the limitations that the league puts teams under that, they have to find the best roster they can build, I think. Because of the, as I was mentioning before, all the different areas in, in baseball that you have to be good at and how long it takes to develop players, even if they're a top-notch college athlete that's that's a junior, 21 years old already, it takes so much to develop them. And, and the strategy that goes on the field uh, is is so unique. And the fact that each ballpark is different, there's, there's so many dynamics that go into making a successful baseball team that – at a certain point, again, as Rudo mentioned with these these small market teams thinking outside the box, they started to incorporate people that, that didn't have a baseball background or weren't former athletes. Right. You go back and you look at you know, most of the former managers had really good baseball careers and even general managers were former players because, Hey, I know how to, I know how to do things. And I, I was a product of this system. And so I can kind of keep it going forward, but teams started thinking outside the box. And every year at the, the winter meetings, there's a job fair and you've got these, these young people that are coming from Ivy league schools that are saying, I'll, I'll work for free. And so you've got the brightest minds yeah. in the nation now thinking behind the scenes on how to find that value or find the, the best $800,000 player in, in, in hockey. And I think that's starting to bleed into more sports because look, we're lucky that we get to do what we're able to do in, in sports media and everybody wants to be around it. And that includes some of the smartest people in the world who could be making millions upon millions, but you know what? You know, they don't need that much money. They, they want to work in sports and use their, their great minds for things like this, things like analytics. I think that's a, I think that's a great point because as much as there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people who, who you know, old school sports guys, and especially again, hockey and baseball are maybe two of the sports that, that have the, the, the most, you know, old guard, old boys club kind of vibe to them. Um, and I think there are people that can sometimes push back on, on individuals who, Oh, well, they didn't play or, Oh, they've never been around the game but analytics really has kind of opened sports up to a completely different crowd that maybe wouldn't have gotten into it in the past. And I don't know, do you describe it as understanding the game in a different way or understanding having just a, a different perspective on, on the way that, that you understand the game? Cause I can see the arguments that some people can make. Oh, well, you've never been there. You've never been on the bench or in the dugout, whatever. Um, but I think that's kind of the point that analytics kind of cuts through all of that, right? Yeah, that experience is, is less and less important in so many ways. We're seeing women now as as coaches. And in the case of Rachel Balkovic, she's going to be the manager of uh, a low-A uh, Tampa Tarpons uh, baseball team for the New York Yankees. So, um yeah, everyone's getting a lot more experience out there and, and it doesn't matter. There, there's a really interesting book called The Only Rule Is It Has to Work in which two analytically inclined uh, baseball nerds took over an independent baseball team and they basically signed players based on statistics. There wasn't this eye test. There wasn't this, well, you got to know and hey, look at it. Look at he's got good body and he's got strength and look at his shoulders and, and all those things. He's got a beautiful swing. They didn't care about that. They just wanted to look and say, who's producing? 
you know, who this guy's five foot four. Who cares? He, he bats over 300, right? We've got guys doing that in MLB like Jose Altuve. And so that's there was an interesting experiment that, that ultimately ended up working for them of saying, hey, who are players that it doesn't matter what they look like and it doesn't matter uh, what people with experience think they look like. It's just are they productive or not? And that's that's really how we all want to be judged is are we effective or not, not what we look like. Yeah, I, I the proof is in the pudding there too, right? There is now a tangible track record of advanced analytics making teams better by going out and getting players based on their analytics and seeing tangible improvement to the to the sports team. So certainly in baseball, I think baseball has taken it to almost the extreme now where you have a quantifiable number for almost any situation imaginable in the sport that you can basically break it down to its most basic form and say, okay, this guy's good at this. He's bad at that. And this, that, and the other thing. Um, so I, I, I personally, I 100% lean in, uh, in baseball. I think if you're not invested in the analytics, you're just wrong. Um, in hockey, it's a little bit more of a balanced thing. There are a lot of situations in hockey that at least to this point, they haven't been able to quantify as well. There has to be some qualification and intangibles going on there that you do need multiple views. Of course, it always takes a village, right? Any, this is why every sports team's front office has dozens, if not in football, you're talking about like 50 to a hundred dudes trying to run those teams. But if the analytics didn't work, people wouldn't keep doing them. So, right. Well, and, and you mentioned Rudo just now, you know, we've seen in hockey the way that it, it's kind of changed the way that teams look. I would even argue that analytics have been slowly changing the way that the league looks. You know, we talk, we talk a lot about Curtis McDermott currently plays for the abs plays in a very limited role. He's kind of one of the remaining few tough guys in the NHL. Uh, and he's, he's a very tough guy. <laughs> um, but those types of players, you think about Cody McLeod, who's another kind of, you know, abs fan favorite from the last 10, 15 years. Those players have more or less been phased out because people stepped back and said, yeah, they're old school hockey guys. And it's nice that they fight and they're great teammates, but you almost couldn't find any value when those guys were on the ice, positive or negative. And that's kind of led to that type of player being phased out. And I think maybe that's part of why, with hockey at least we're at this point now where uh, you know i don't necessarily know if we're at like a tipping point which way it's going to go one way or the other but i think analytics have so heavily influenced it that now we're kind of at a new stage with how we look at the league combine analytics and not would you would you agree with that yeah i i think hockey for sure i think is is really entering a new era you know over the last handful of years everybody in the hockey world knows about the the war in florida of the the analytics nerd versus the the old boys club basically yeah. that uh, arizona has had issues with that with chica coming in as the gm and then leaving it's it the nhl is not completely sure what their new direction is and now uh, some of this i think is also going to be how the game develops into the future. You're now talking about things like, okay, we're going to get better player tracking. Okay, we're going to start tracking pucks with microchips and things like that. Moving closer towards things like StatCast that baseball has to where you have to lay the foundations 
to be able to get the metrics that you really need to take it to that next level. And hockey's not quite there yet, but they're getting there. Yeah. And, and so I want to get into maybe what would be some of the drawbacks of analytics or, or where maybe they are still a little flawed, but I do of course want to remind you guys, you are listening to the Denver sports podcast brought to you by Breckenridge brewery. Uh, today we are also brought to you guys um, by our lovely and very delicious friends over at uh, sexy pizza. Uh, we had sexy pizza at every Broncos tailgate that we did this past year, and it was delicious every week. Uh, sexy pizza has been in the Denver community for 13 years, so it is as local as it gets. I talk about it every week. Uh, when I live downtown, this was one of my favorite spots to hit up. You walk over there, you can get a full pie, you can get slices uh, right there at the window. You don't have to go in anywhere. Uh, they're, you know, they're super fast. Even we would go up all the time and just order a, a, a full-size pie. You wait five, 10 minutes and they have it out to you. Uh, hot, fresh, delicious. 12, 16 or 18 inch crust. Uh, you can find the right fit for everything. They have four Denver locations, Capitol Hill, Old South per- Pearl, Jefferson Park, Park Hill, and a new location coming or actually not coming anymore in Trinidad that just opened. So now if you're in Trinidad, get your sexy pizza on, uh, head on over to sexypizza.com. Uh, excuse me, sexy.pizza. Uh, seriously, guys, it's, it's some of the best, uh, best pizza we've got here in town. The Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. So we've talked a lot about kind of where they came from and how analytics have, have kind of cemented themselves um, in, in these leagues. And, and I'm actually really going to be interesting, interested now to hear kind of what you guys have to say, because, Rudo, I think you make an interesting point that baseball is kind of in that next phase of analytics where I feel like you have more front offices that, that listen to it than don't as we're hockey. I mean, I can't remember what GM it was three weeks ago was saying, you know, well, you can't listen to everything that they, that the computers say, well, you can't only do that. You do still have a, a, you know, a pretty staunch (laughs) combative attitude towards it in the NHL from half the clubs out there that, that reluctantly bring, bring in one analytics guy. So why is it Patrick in the MLB? Where is it that maybe teams don't see as much value or, or is there any areas in baseball like Rudo saying where maybe you just don't have enough information there yet. And you do need to rely on some of that old school scouting. Yeah. It's definitely a a blend. Like that's the one thing that, you know, a lot of the, the best teams really rely on it's, 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 you do need to have both of those things. Uh, but if you don't have the investment in analytics, you probably are going to rely a little bit more on just, you know, the eye test and you're just going to rely on those scouts. So you, you have to have both and you have to have a, a major investment in the, the, the analytics department, which is something that the Rockies are now finally getting around to doing again, but they are still five to maybe even 10 years behind so many other teams in baseball right now. But with teams, what's happened in, in baseball, uh, as you were kind of mentioning some of the drawbacks to analytics, is that it's, it's changed the game in baseball because it's been around so long that you know acting outside of the box has made the game be outside the box. And the games are, are taking longer for, for so many reasons because you know analytics – will we'll show it in any sport. Hey, if you have more rest, you'll be recovered more. So pitchers are taking longer in between pitches and, and batters are, are catching their breath in between, you know, each check swing or, or whatever it may be. Analytics are showing, Hey, you know what? This guy hits the ball to right field. 
you know, just about, you know, 75% of the time. So let's bring the third baseman over on the second, uh, second base side. And so the shift is now, you know, killing a lot of the action in baseball and, and players have adjusted by saying, okay, well, I need to hit the ball over the shift. I need to improve my launch angle. And that contributes to what are basically the three true outcomes. You either see a home run, a strikeout, or a walk. You're not seeing a, a ground ball to the shortstop with a backhanded play like Troy Tulowitzki and the jump throw. That's Those are the exciting things that makes baseball baseball. And analytics is kind of pulled away from that a little bit. I'm- so. You're, you're so, and sorry, Rudo, but, but so that's really interesting because you're saying that, that there's a lot of stuff that's kind of like in real time in game analytics related in, in baseball, that, that they're actually making adjustments from batter to batter based off of advanced metrics. Well, no, they'll, they'll know that ahead of time. Like, the, okay. The that's part of like pre-scouting and stuff. When this okay. guy comes up, you'll notice in the last couple, couple years, you know, once the uh, batter strikes out, card. bingo, that's okay. it. Right. You'll, you'll see, you know, Charlie Blackman in right field walking around and he takes something out of his hat or his pocket. And that's, that's analytics right there. That's kind of the, the scouting report on where to play this guy rather than go by feel and say, ah, oh, that last swing was a little slow. I'm going to trust my instincts and shift a little bit over analytics say, well, look, if this guy hits the ball over here, 75% of the time, then be in that exact spot 100% of the time. And you'll at least make three out of those four plays. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I'm curious what you think the solution to this is. I, I've heard people talk about, oh, you know, they should make a rule change to limit shifts or they should do things, put in, implement things like a pitch clock so that hurries the game up. What is is that the future of baseball is rule changes like that? Or where do you think it's headed? I'm an old school guy where. You know, I, I love the history of the game. I'll read biographies on guys like Rabbit Moranville and, and Archie Vaughn, players that even if you're a big baseball fan, you don't even know who they are, and they're in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like, I love <laughs> old-school baseball, and I understand that the game needs to change. The game needs to evolve in that way, like like all of the top sports. And so I'm absolutely for the idea that you have to ban the shift, right? It, it seems counterintuitive to say, you know, a manager, you can't do exactly what you want, but that's okay. Again, that it, that's for the betterment of the game. I don't want to be alive if and when there comes a point in which MLB dies of interest because all of the fans are are, are so damn old and, and no one's playing the sport. So it has to evolve, and and that's certainly one of those ways. And we're we're seeing MLB tinker, you know, and again using analytics to figure out what's working and what isn't, but doing different things in in the minors. Uh, there was a league that moved the the pitcher's plate, so move the mound back half of a foot to see what would uh, happen because of that, if that would increase the amount of contact in games. The bases are are a little bit larger, so that's going to help decrease injuries, but also decrease the length or the distance between one base to the other. So that might encourage more stolen bases and all of those things I'm, I'm totally fine with. I don't think it, it destroys the history of the game. I think we can understand and contextualize that, Hey, there were different rules and there were different things that were done in this period of time. Uh, there were, there was this kind of cheating. Then there's this kind of cheating. Now it all kind of was accepted I think we're smart enough to be able to, again, contextualize all of that. And yes, baseball needs to evolve and it, and it needs to, to, to change some of those more classic rules. Rudo, I want to ask you your opinion. Cause there's, there's one team right now, especially amongst the hockey community 
that is give, putting all kind of wind in the sails of anti-analytics guys, and that is the Seattle Kraken. The expansion uh, Seattle Kraken loaded up their front office with yep. analytics guys. We are going 100% all in on analytics. Anybody that watched that expansion draft was saying, who? On <laughs> over half the picks. And again, they were a lot of picks that were saying, well, these are really strong analytics guys. These are the phrase, you know, analytics darlings. And it has not gone well for them to start this season. Is that a situation where you say that maybe that's an organization that took it a step too far or TBD? Uh, I don't know if they took it a step too far. I think they just built the team wrong, right? <laughs> you talk about a, a team like Moneyball, you're trying to get to the ultimate solution of all of these numbers add up to something more. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day in hockey, you need people to score goals for you and you need people to stop goals for you. <laughs> and those are abilities that some players have and some players don't, and they don't have high end ability in either of those categories. Like yeah. you, you can talk about the analytics behind someone like Shohei Otani all you want, but at the end of the day, he also still mashed 40 home runs this year. So <laughs> <laughs> that's those, the numbers that actually count can't just be completely discounted either. They, they count for something too. And in hockey compared to baseball, again, it's still very tough. Baseball is such a compartmentalized sport that you can take every number and you pretty much know exactly what's going to happen to the odds. And in, in a certain situation, you can tell somebody in a two, two count, this pitcher throws this pitch exactly this percentage of times. And, and you even have stats like war where you can say, you can pretty much say this guy's going to win you this many games a year or whatever in hockey. Those catch all stats don't work yet. Mm -hmm. Because you have bias still included in catch-all hockey stats, because the there aren't these single singular events that you can take and analyze and and do like you can in baseball and in, in hockey. What leads to a goal? It, it's not all almost right. not repeatable. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> the number of outcomes were so infinite <laughs> from five seconds before the goal goes. <laughs> And and I understand baseball is more complex than I'm than I'm making it seem, but it, you know, all right. If a pitch is thrown, it can either be a ball, it can either be a strike, it can be fouled, or it can be put in play. Like, yeah. And no. and not all of those are created equally, but it, but it's a lot more streamlined than the number of outcomes in hockey. It's almost kind of like you're having a sh you know a, a penalty shot on every pitch because. Penalty shot, you can you can kind of equate to tendencies, and this guy likes to go to this, you know, backhand, forehand. He likes to make yep. a move this percentage of time. You're kind of saying, yeah, there's still a lot of randomness to it, but in baseball, it is a little bit more kind of calculated. out, yeah. Baseball is the only sport where the defense has the ball. Yep. It's, and let and, wow. and great point. I never forget, thought about it like that. <laughs> and, and don't forget, Nathan. I, we we noticed your your shot at Grubauer. Okay. That's, oh yeah. We can't let oh, yeah. we can't let that slide. Get him in, all right? He's the worst goal in the league right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the other part of it, too. Because like I said, there, there are a lot of real anti-analytics guys. Oh, well, look at what happened to the Kraken. That's what happens when you listen to analytics. It's like, yeah, they're also getting, like, historically bad goaltending. <laughs> like, um, but, but no, it's just it's, – it's been an interesting kind of case study because we've seen that from NHL teams in particular the last few years where 
you, you know, you mentioned Florida, you mentioned Arizona, where they'll lean real hard into it. And I feel like the other part of this too is not enough teams. And, and Patrick, tell me this is true in baseball too. Not enough teams give it proper runway. Both both of those teams that have, are kind of um, classic examples in the NHL of leaning real hard into it and then it not working out in year one or two and abandoning it and just kind of getting caught in this no man's land where you're not really committed to either thing. We've seen it happen in the NHL. Is that a product of teams not giving it enough chance to work itself out? And Patrick, do you know, do we see that in the MLB? I think that might be a product of just not having a good plan to begin with, because there are those teams that, that struggle and are consistently bad. And, you know, they have new front offices, they have new general managers, and yet they still can't really seem to figure it out. But that's you know, going back to, to something that Rudo said at the beginning was, was joking about tanking is like, that's a, that's a plan where, you know, you, it, it does require some analytics, right. And, and, and it is a, a system that takes many, many years. It's not just one year we're going to be bad so we can get the best player in the draft. That guy could be a bust that, that happens. Right. Right. But if you do it the second year and the third year, well, now you've really increased your odds and, and really making sure that you win the lottery. And so kind of giving it, you have to give it that runway. And I think teams understand that, you know, it's not going to be a, a, a real quick fix it. If, if you understand, Hey, you know what, we're going to start shifting a lot more this year that might translate to two more wins, but it's not going to mean you're going to win you know, the NL West. Right. Yeah. I 100% agree that the entire concept of analytics is playing the averages right you know how how many percentages of the time xyz is going to happen and the more chances you give for that to happen the more it's going to trend towards that number that you know it it trends toward so it, if you try it flip a coin 10 times you might get eight heads flip a coin 3 million times you're going to get about 1.5 million heads yeah <laughs> no that's that's a great way of putting it. Um, and, and again, I think for everyone who's seen Moneyball, which is kind of a watered down version of, of, you know, that season for the A's and stuff, it's a phenomenal movie, but that is kind of what they, that's the premise of what they lean into. We know we're going to go through a stretch, but we think that at the end of these 162 games, we're going to average out to be good enough to where we need to be. Um, like I said earlier at the start of the show, we have a lot going on today, so I'm going to let you guys go. I, I would love to get you two back on here in a week or two, and we can kind of dive a little bit more into the specifics of analytics and what it is that you're actually looking at and, and maybe put some stuff up on here. Because I think it's a really valuable tool that, that people need to understand just with the way that sports are going. There's nothing wrong with watching a game traditionally and, and kind of scouting it your own way, but you do need to have a better understanding. Do either of you have any kind of final thoughts on, on analytics and just kind of this like foundation of where we're at with them and how we're understanding before we jump out of here? I'll tell people uh, they can go check out uh, fangraphs.com is one of the top uh, free baseball sites where you can get a lot of really good information and, and read articles and, and really start to get your, your feet wet on learning. You know, if you don't already know what OPS is and, and why, you know, batting average isn't really important. Uh, you know, Moneyball, uh, that book kind of explains that, you know, uh, batting average is, is how often you get a hit, not how often you get on base, because there's there's not a clock in baseball other than keeping track of the outs. You only get 27 of them. So each out is, 
is a is a measurement, if if you will, in, in getting to the end of the game. And so, on base percentage is is better than batting average, and slugging percentage is better than batting average because it it quantifies how good of the hit was. It just a slap single or was it a extra base hit? And so, Fangraphs is a really good resource for anyone to start learning and start you know digging in a little bit deeper. They they go very deep too. Uh, if you want to check out their work at fangrefs.com. Yep. Rudo, any final thoughts? Uh, Patrick kind of already said it earlier, but games are always evolving. It, it never stops. There's always the next big thing that, that's coming. And, and analytics itself is always going to continue to evolve, whether it's new statistics that come out or they're tracking new things. There's always something more. And at the end of the day, if it works, you should be doing it. It's that simple. Yeah. No, 100%. So, uh, yeah, I would. I would love to get the two of you back on here in two weeks, three weeks, and we can kind of dive into this a little bit more because I think this is a fun conversation, and um, I think you both like talking about it. So it's perfect. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, thank you guys for taking the time out today uh, to jump on here and, and, and have this little bit of a discussion with me. Uh, look forward to talking to you guys uh, again, or talking with you guys about this again. Nathan Rudolph, a.k.a. Rudo, Patrick Lyons, from our DNBR Avalanche, our DNBR Rockies. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, shout out to Kale producing behind the scenes, uh, making sure that you guys can all hear us. Uh, until next time, we'll talk to you guys later.